that is rapidly deteriorating and needed to be replaced, needs to be replaced very badly. And I began to count $100 bills into a person that I barely knew. We had come to a simple verbal agreement that I would pay from the materials before he did the work, and that he would receive, after he did the work, the rest of the money. He's, he's a private man who's done work all over our neighborhood. So that gave me a little bit of confidence that maybe, just maybe, he will not walk down that sidewalk with my money and never return again. No contract was involved. He's not guaranteed or licensed. None of the safeguards that you would expect is in place. And I would have no legal means to get my money back if he just he just walked away. I thought to myself as I counted out, out those $100 bills, I wonder if this is foolish. See, like me, you too have lived in this world long enough to know that a verbal agreement or words are often very empty. Words are disappointing. Words from human beings are often very disappointing. They can be used to promise, but they also can be used to lie and deceive and to take advantage of other people. And in today's world, look around and notice that nobody's word, not even yours, is good enough. You walk into a bank and you ask for a loan and you simply say, no, take my word for it, I'll pay you back. The banker will laugh in your face. No, your word is not good enough. You must sign your life away on the line before they're going to give you any money at all. Companies know that a handshake is not good enough to make a deal. So after the handshake, what's the next thing that a company will do? Well, they'll gather together their legal experts and put all the right words down on the page and sign, in a sense, their life away too because people's word is not good enough. There is a sign above my subway stop on Northern Boulevard that simply says, cheating spouse, we have everything that you need. They offer cameras and everything that you need to become a private investigator. And the sign says, not even the person that lays next to you in bed, not even your spouse, the person closest to you, not, only, not even them, them in some cases, is their word good enough. There's statistics out there and studies that have been done for church visitors. It says that when a church visitor walks in the door, they don't look at the smile on the pastor's face. And they don't look to, they don't trust his warm words either. The first person that a church visitor will look at is his wife. Is she thankful? Is she happy? Or in other words, is the pastor living out his faith in the home? Because people are deceived. They're disappointed in holy, pious words of pastors, and they want to see his faith lived out in the home. 
people, and we too, have learned to distrust the words of other human beings. And, and we have a phrase that encapsulates this disappointment that we have in words, and it's this. Actions speak louder than words. Can we interpret that phrase for just a second? And this is in pop culture now. The, the phrase basically says this, I'm tired of your lies. I'm tired of your deceit. I am not going to trust your words anymore. Too many times I trusted you. Too many times you said, I'll do it. And then you didn't do it. Show it to me. I'll believe it when I see it. Actions speak louder than words. Now, if you do a brief study on the history of this phrase, action speaks louder than words, and you follow it down the line all the way through Abraham Lincoln and the politicians, you will land in Matthew chapter 21. Because that verse and that phrase has its basis right in our lesson for today. Now, this parable that we're looking at today is called the parable of the two sons. And it's only right here in Matthew. And it's not one of the well-known parables like the parable of the Good Samaritan or the parable of the prodigal son. But once you understand and apply to your soul the parable of the two sons, you will never see the gap between your words. I'm just going to give Angela a chance here. once you hear this parable the parable of the two sons which maybe you don't know so well and you think about it you will never see the gap between your words and your actions in the same way again listen to what Jesus said again this is on page 7 we're just going to read this again remind you what Jesus says what do you think There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. The parable of the two sons. Two sons. The father goes to the first son, the loving father, and he addresses them in a very paternal, loving way. And he says, Dear child, go and work in the vineyard. And this child does not recognize the authority of God in his life, of his father in his life. This child does not recognize the debt of obedience that he owes to his father. And so with a flat refusal and great rebellion in his heart, he simply says, I will not. And he continues doing his own thing. The son begins to think 
about his rebellion. My father's a good man. He provides for my family. He offered to me a loving invitation, and I, I rejected it. That was wrong. And he repents. And he goes to work in the vineyard. Now Jesus, he says that the first son represents the class in Israel called the sinners. The prostitutes and the tax collectors. And, and Jesus, they simply did not recognize for a time the authority of God in their lives to call them to obedience. They did not recognize the debt of obedience that they owed their God. And so they went off and did their own thing. But then John the Baptist came. And he began to preach repentance and faith in the Messiah. And he offered them a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. They repented and believed. Now you might say that today, the first son represents the rebellious the irreligious, the secular, the atheist, the agnostic, who refuses to recognize the authority of God to command and refuses to see the debt of obedience that they owe to God, their Father. The second son, the father approaches the second son in the same loving, paternal way, and he says, Dear son, go and work in the vineyard. And this son's response so different than the first. He says, I will. But he adds something pious and religious sounding. He says this, the NIV says, I will sir. Or we could translate that, I will Lord. So he recognizes the authority of his father in his life. He recognizes the debt of obedience that he owes to his loving father. But under the veneer of religious and pious words was a rotten heart. Under the veneer of nice-sounding words of respect and honor to his heavenly father, was a heart full of rebellion. He didn't go. See, there's really no difference between the first son and the second son. Their hearts are just as rotten and just as rebellious as each other. It's the same thing. The only difference between the first son and the second son is that the second son doesn't see it. He doesn't see that his heart is rotten. He doesn't see that his heart is rebellious, and so he never, never repents. Jesus says that this second son represents the Pharisee. The Pharisee who with religious pomp and circumstance cover over their wicked and rebellious heart and their disobedience. Today, this son represents all of those who with great religious pomp and circumstance at their confirmation promise faithfulness to God and then do not regularly attend church or Bible study or serve in the church. Today, this son represents all those 
who with pious and religious words say to one another, I will pray for you. And that prayer never crosses their lips. Today, this, this son represents all of those who put praise to the Lord on their lips on Sunday, but then on Monday, their lips are full of gossip and slander and profanity. Today, this son represents all of us who have a gap between what we say and what we do. Two sons. Two sons and a loving father. See, we ought not forget that there are three characters in this story. And the third character that is often overlooked is the father. The father, do you see how he responds to his sons who have rotten and rebellious hearts? He doesn't slam the gate to the vineyard and say, now neither one of you can go in. No, he leaves the gate wide open. And when the first son comes to his senses and he recognizes that he owes obedience to his father, he walks right in. The Father, of course, represents our loving Heavenly Father who invites each of us to go and work in His vineyard. Jesus says so. Listen to what Jesus says as He talks about His Father. He says, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. So the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going in ahead of you. So what? Follow them in. The gate is wide open. Follow them in. Repent and believe the gospel that your Father loves you. He wants you to work. He wants you to work in His kingdom. Standing right outside this parable, giving this parable, is the unmentioned third son. See, Jesus, he says, you have to be one of the two sons. But there's an unmentioned third son that we could never be. The third son, his father draws near to him and he says, dear son, go and work in my vineyard. And the son of God, he goes. He goes and works in his vineyard. And then he says, dear son, drink the bitter cup of suffering and death And the Son drinks it down for the forgiveness of all of our sins. The third Son stands before the Father in our defense and He says, let my brothers and sisters come in because my blood has washed them of their sins. I have given them a new heart. The third Son is our Savior Jesus who now urgently calls to each of us, repent and believe the gospel. Believe what I have done for you. Do actions really speak louder than words? Not among Christians. Imagine a world where people said about Christians, they always keep their word. Where where. They knew about Christians when husband and wife stand before the Lord and promise faithfulness and love to each other that they're guaranteed to keep that vow. And that when Christians 
people come before the altar of the Lord to confirm their faith and confess their faith that they would keep that promise to the Lord. And imagine a world where, where Christian business people didn't need to sign contracts anymore because people said about them, he or she's a Christian. They'll keep their word. That's when we become salt and light. Jesus made a promise to us long ago. And He kept it. His Word meant something. His Word spoke just as loudly as His actions. And so should ours. Amen.